another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Please be seated in all the campuses this morning, north and south and Melbourne. It's so good to be with you. It does feel like home. I'm on the road full-time these days. As four years ago, I handed the leadership of our church to our spiritual son, and the Lord said, I want you to go and step out in faith, no salary, step out and serve pastors and leaders around the world. Uh, I haven't got business cards yet, uh, haven't got any brochures. The Lord has just opened every door. Uh, so all of this year has gone every weekend and most of next year just to be with the family of God. I was sitting there in the worship or standing there in the worship and thinking, the first time I saw Luke... He was in his mother's arms as a six-month-old with chubby cheeks and reddish-colour hair sticking up. I think his mother must have put gel in it. And uh, what's happened to all those years? And I want to tell you this morning, because I don't want to take up uh, unnecessary time because we've got a few services to get through today, but God is faithful. He is good in every season. And I know that uh, as I look back over my life, God can be trusted with every area of our our lives. And so I'm very grateful for the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet in the midst of all of life, as we journey life, there are times when we go through amazing challenges. And some of you know our story. On the 22nd of January, 2016, our eldest son, Chris, who I love very, very much, was hit by a lightning strike in Adelaide, and he passed away at a youth camp instantly. He was killed in a millisecond. Today we're navigating four little kids without a dad and a uh, mum that's struggling to just work it all out. And yet in the midst of all that, God is doing some amazing things so that when there is no clarity, we can trust sovereignty. And friends, today I haven't come to bleed over you. I've come to bless you. I haven't come to waste my pain, to build with my pain, to help people that may be navigating different journeys. Since our son's passing, we have prayed for over a thousand people that have lost their children around the world. And I never thought that was going to be part of our narrative. I remember one day I was kneeling by my bed and I said to God, God, I trust you. God, I don't understand, but I trust you. I wasn't ready for what was to come next. He spoke into my mind very loudly, and I trust you. I thought, wow, God, you trust me. What do you trust me with? He said to never give up in the midst of the storm, to never get up, give up in the midst of the fight, because when I called you, I knew you would go through this. We've been through many, many great times And yet some pretty sad times, as many of you know, our family story. At the birth of our vision in 1994, God gave me a promise. That promise was in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, where the church of Philadelphia, out of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, was promised open doors. said, I'm going to open doors before you that no man can shut. In 1994, God gave me over 10 promises that I would see happen in my lifetime through the leadership of Edge Church in Australia. And I can go back now and tick every one of those promises. 
God kept every one of those promises. But it wasn't until our son passed away that I felt challenged by God to go through the Bible and look at who God opens doors for. And as I started going to the Scriptures of open doors in the Bible, I discovered something very interesting. God can only open doors for people who can live with contrasts. For people who can live with contrast. In 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9, Paul says, there's been a great and incredible door open before me here at Ephesus uh, and I I can't, I, I wanna walk through those doors, but there are many who oppose me. Contrast. In 2 Corinthians 16 verse 9, I'm gonna read this morning just a very interesting passage of Scripture. If I can get my little thing here happening. 2 Corinthians 16, sorry, verse 8. Paul says, We serve God whether people honour us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We're ignored even though we're well known. We live close to death, but we're still alive. We've been beaten, but we've not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, yet we have everything. Do you get the picture? He's living with contrast. My question today, or even a statement today from my own life, you know, is can I live with contrast? Can I live with blessing and burden? Can I live with affirmation and attack? Can I live with conviction of my faith and the crisis of my faith? Can I live with pain and purpose? Can I live with fruitfulness and frustration? Can I live with patience and persistence, clarity and confusion, joy and sadness, hurt and hope, supernatural breakthroughs and God's silence? God's no, God's slow, God's go. Can I live with all those expressions? And so in 2016, when our son passed away, I knew God was real. There were doubts, not unbelief, and there was why God at a youth camp while preaching the Gospel, does someone get taken at the age of 39? And it's okay to question, friends. Underlining everything was the call of God, the peace of God, the things I knew to be true about God. People coming up and saying, well, you'll be okay. You'll come through this. God will give you a new beginning. And at the beginning of 2017, I get called in by the doctor and I get told I possibly have bowel cancer. So we've just navigated the whole story of Chris and navigating it. And then we get told, you may have bowel cancer. My surgeon was Samoan. And when I met him, he was the best in Adelaide at robotic surgery. And uh, when he introduced himself to me, I said, hi, doctor. He goes, my name's Jimmy A. And he introduced himself as Jimmy A. And Jimmy A is going to operate on me. And I'm thinking, this is not a hungy, you know. And <laughs> a lovely man, a beautiful man. But I said, you know, hey, well, I have to have chemo at the end of the, you know, the operation. And he goes, yeah, probably. We're not 100% sure, but you probably will. I said, well, I lose my hair. I said, I said, well, I'd be able to play the piano after the operation. And he said, well, what's that got to do with the operation? Uh, well, I couldn't play it before, so, you know. <laughs> you got to laugh, don't you? 
And so you're living with these contrasts of knowing God to open doors, to call you to the wider body of Christ, and then possibly face, am I gonna be around to do what I thought He called me to do? And I wanna give you four words today that Sharon and I, I believe, are navigating through in the loss of our son that I pray may help you as I share my story. This is a hard story to share. Uh, There's nowhere in the notes that says at that point you can cry. So if the tears flow, please forgive me, but I am Italian, but I'm also a dad. And when that coffin went into the ground, it wasn't a 39-year-old married man of 18 years with four children. It, It was my little boy. It was my little boy. It seemed like yesterday he was born and now gone. And there are four postures that I put into my life in the good times that were able to help me in the darkest hour of my life. I feel I'm amongst family today, right across every campus of life family. I know the love that you have towards our family and we have towards yours. And I don't wanna get emotional right now, but Pastor Paul has been with me at every dark moment of my life. To have a friend that will get on a plane and just come and sit with you. Oh, those friends that don't have to open their mouth and try to explain it. They're just there having a coffee with you, saying I'm here. But these four words are four words that I believe I can leave with you today that will help you in any crisis or any loss. And they are simply this. Sit, stand, sing, serve. Sit, stand, sing, serve. On the 22nd of January of 2016, our lives were changed forever. We received one phone call that turned our lives upside down. Our son was at a youth camp. His kids were with us or two of them, the two younger ones. And as I was sitting in a chair getting ready to speak at a church together event in our city, I heard a lightning strike hit our city that made me jump out of my seat. I was on the phone to Pastor Jonathan, who's the senior pastor of Edge these days, my spiritual son. He was at the airport waiting to pick someone up and he said, did you hear that? Not knowing that that was the very strike that killed our son. 10 minutes after that strike, the phone rang and The police said, you need to come to the Mount Barker Hospital in the Adelaide Hills. There's been an accident and your son's been hit by lightning. And I knew right at that moment he'd passed. We now have to get in a car with two of his young kids, crying in the back seat and driving for 50 minutes to get to a hospital where in an instant, everything went from colour to black and white. I felt the clouds come in. I felt the oppression of where we were heading right now in the next 50 minutes of drive. We arrived at the hospital and we were met by two nurses at the front door and you know, my legs felt like jelly. I felt like everything had been sapped from me. And as we walked through the door, we were, put into, we were sat down in a room and two nurses I've never met in my life just laid hands on us and started praying. Right at that moment, I thought so many people chase ministry. So many people chase pulpits where every Christian is in ministry 
And if we allowed our every day to become the suddenlies of God and use every moment, in that moment, two people I've never met were praying over us and there was something of a comfort on one side and a tearing apart on the other as our boy's body was on the other side of the curtain. And I remember, to cut a long story short, I just felt my whole world had crashed and I just was numb and crying and broken. And ladies and gentlemen, it happens every day. It happens every day to people all all around New Zealand, around the world. So I'm not standing here saying I'm the only one this happens to. I am shocked at how many people this happens to. I have not preached in a church yet where someone hasn't lost a child or a loved one. And I had no idea those people were sitting in church until it happened to me. But I found myself sitting in a state of numbness and I'm going to be brutally honest. I know this is being streamed to all the other campuses today. I became afraid to open my Bible. I thought, Lord, if I open my Bible and I read you're my protector, out come a young man who was preaching the gospel, who, by the way, was going to preach that very night, the day he passed. He had a sermon outline we found on the seat of his car. There are storms out there. There is darkness out there. Where is God? Trust Him. Put your eyes on eternity. The very Sunday before he passed, he was a pastor in another church. And the very Sunday before he passed, they had a Sunday night off. And so he happened to be at my home. My sugar levels had gone so high. I had to preach three times or four times that day. And so he said, Dad, I'll drive you today. I will drive you to where you've got to preach to the West Campus. And as he drove my car, as I wasn't feeling well, he looked at me and he goes, Dad, I love you. Not knowing that was the last time I would hear those words. That was on the Sunday he passed, the following Friday. Dad, we've had a great life together and you know we've had our ups and downs and we've had our challenges, but isn't it good at what God has done in our family? As he arrived at the campus that day, the first person to welcome him was his uncle. Hadn't seen him for a long, long time because he attended another church on Sundays. His brother Michael was rostered to play bass only for that service at the last minute. Last time he saw his brother. And there was all these events that happened that day. I remember on the Tuesday straight afterwards, I woke up in the middle of the night worried about him and I rang his pastor and I said, Tony, I'm just just worried about Chris. Can we have lunch? I don't know what it is. Is everything going okay? He goes, he will be repositioned in the life of the church, but everything's gonna be okay. This is probably his last uh, camp as a leader of the youth. By Thursday, that burden hadn't lifted. I called Jonathan. I called my son and I said, I just feel we've got to pray for Chris. Two o'clock the next day, he was gone. Why do you feel those things? I don't know. But I want to tell you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that there are times in our lives where things can happen we don't understand. And I want to give you permission and say, it's okay to sit and not understand. It's okay to sit and not work it out. It's okay to sit and not even pray or read your Bible because you're just too overwhelmed. But while you are sitting, God can raise up people that will come and carry you when you can't carry yourself. And there was a knock at my door and one of our pastors, Pastor Matt Stevenson, says to me, Pastor Danny, I'm not going through what you're going through, but I have found this book by a theologian, Nicholas Walterstorff, who lost his son at the age of 25 in a mountain climbing accident. 
And now he's recorded every one of his emotions at the loss of his son. And I think if you read this, because I've read it, it will minister to you and help you because I can't. And as I began to read the book, these are some of the things I read. The pain of the no more outweighs the gratitude of the once was. Will it always be so? I didn't know how much I loved him until he was gone. Is love like that? When we are all together, we're not all together. Job chapter 7 says he will never come to his house again. His place will know him no more. It is hard to bury a child because our parents belong to our past, but our kids belong to our future. Does enduring while crying not require as much strength as never crying? We don't need to mask our suffering. I shall look at the world through tears. Perhaps I shall see things that dry eyed I could not see. And as I'm reading this, it's actually ministering to me. And then the next day after starting this book, a book arrives at the door from a preacher from Queensland who was an evangelist who's written a book called Grieving Up because he lost his wife and his daughter over a three year period. He writes me a letter that comes with the book. Dear Pastor Danny, you don't know this. But many years ago when I lost my daughter and I lost my wife and I felt my ministry was coming to an end as a healing evangelist, I was invited on the Gold Coast to go to a pastor's conference and I walked in and you were the preacher. That night you preached on knowing when to get on the stretcher when you're broken and when to get off the stretcher. And as I listened to you, I realised I needed to get on the stretcher and I needed to get, allow other people to carry me when I couldn't carry myself. You will read that story in the second chapter of my book. You will find yourself there. And Pastor Danny, please do right now what you've taught us to do. Get on the stretcher and let us carry you. I remember only the morning before, saying to God, I don't know where to turn, what to do. I remember saying to God, I don't know whether to go to a psychologist, to go to a psychiatrist, or, you know, what am I supposed to do? Where do I get my help? And inside my head said the words, what about all the sermons you've preached to everybody else? Not in a nasty way, but if they weren't worth preaching to you, they weren't worth preaching to anybody else. And so I went to my old box of written out sermons and the first one I pulled out from 1989, I think it was, stay in the boat in the midst of a storm. Seven things you do when you're in the midst of a storm and as I'm reading my notes and crying, I said, God, I will do what I've told everybody else to do. But right now I don't have the energy. I don't have the strength. So I will allow others to carry me. I will allow others to take me when I can't take myself to that place of breakthrough yet. But I will be in church every Sunday worshipping you. Cancelled all my preaching for a few months, but I was in church. But can I be honest? Every Sunday on that front row, all I could see was his coffin. My hands raised worshipping God, praising Him in the midst of the storm because He's the truth. But right there, all I could see was the pain. But I said, God, in the midst of my pain, I'm going to trust you. And 
for the sake of time, I can't remember the exact day, but a few days after this, it would have been five or six weeks into our pain. I said to God, God, I I don't know where to start with the Bible. I'm too scared. I don't know where to read. And I live by revelation. My whole life has been by revelation. I've built my whole church on revelation. I'm asking myself, was my salvation real? Did I get a call from God when I was young? Did God send us to our church? Were my sermons true and real? Preached that Hillsong the very first Sunday of that year. On the Lord is my shepherd, not was my shepherd. He's personal, present and providing. And two weeks later, I lose my son. So where does that all fit right now? And I said to God, God, I hope you don't mind. But Christmas 39, I'm going to go to Psalm 39 and just start reading my Bible again. I went to Psalm 39 and this is what it says. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Chris's favourite life message was keep your eyes on eternity. He had brochures made up with eternity on them that he had posters and and his whole life was about eternity. I remember one day saying to his mum, I don't care if I live long. She told him, you've got to stop eating those McDonald's and Hungry Jacks. And and he goes, ah, you know, life's short. He made jokes about it. Now I'm not trying to add anything into the story there, but, but Chris always talked about eternity. 39 years of age, and that's what I read in Psalm 39. My Bible reading for the next day, as I started to just start going through the Scriptures again, afresh with a level of reluctancy and fear. Deuteronomy 29, 29 was my Old Testament reading just shortly after that. The Lord our God has secrets. Known to no one, we are not accountable for them. But we and our children are accountable forever for all that He has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. I've lived my life by revelation. And all of a sudden, things began to shift a little. And I go from sitting and letting others put me on the stretcher and carry me to starting to stand on all that I now was clearly bringing back to my knowledge the things God had promised over the years. And I realised very quickly that for me to walk away from God for a situation that is very very serious that I can't understand would be to throw away all that I do understand, to throw away all that I do know about God. I went back to 11 years of age when I encountered Him. I went back to the call of God that supernaturally called me into the ministry. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, don't chase the call of God. Chase God and let the call of God chase you. Because the call of God chased me. And I know how it supernaturally happened. So I knew I wasn't going on a career path. The day we drove past a building and God says, that's your building. No money. The building wasn't for sale. That's Edge Church today. We're in one offering. The Lord said to me, you'll get half a million dollars in one offering to pay the deposit to buy this building. And we only had probably 400 people in church in those days. And I said, we won't get a half a million dollars. This is what, nearly 20 years ago. $640,000 $640,000 cash in one offering. 
Or I could tell you the miracles. And when I add up all the miracles, how can I deny a God who is the creator of the universe because of one thing I can't understand? And then all of a sudden I realise, you know, Danny, you're going to be alive a a lot less without Chris than you were with him. I'm not going to live another 39 years, I don't think. And you know something? It feels like yesterday he was born. And I realise how much we spend a lot of sermons on telling people how to live down here, and there's nothing wrong with that. And we take half a minute at the end of a meeting to talk about eternity, where we're going to spend forever and ever. And all of a sudden I realise we've got to start living from eternity, not living for eternity. We live from eternity. And all of a sudden I go from sitting and I start to stand on the things that I did know about God. I started to realise, hey, I don't have to understand everything, but I know that I can sing because that's my posture of praise. I know I can stand because that's my posture of trust. And so I started to stand on what I knew about God. And I said, God, I'm going to pray for the sick. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to become a negative. If this happened to us, then that's it. How can we pray for the sick? I'm on an aeroplane going from Adelaide to Brisbane. I meet a guy who's sitting next to me. I'd never met him before. We start talking. He goes, yes, I read the story in the newspaper about your son. He goes, my son has just been born and he's in a Brisbane hospital, but he's paralysed down one side. And we don't know what's going to happen with this story. I said, do you mind if I pray for you? We need to learn to pray for people with our eyes open. We don't have to get into a posture. Just pray like you're talking. And I said, God, I just pray for my friend that I've just met here. Lord, I pray that you touch his son and you have a plan for him. He had a plan for Chris and Chris lived out his plan. He used to say, I want to die serving youth. He used to say it all the time. Young people are my calling. He died doing what he was called to do. A bit young for my liking. But let me tell you, I trust sovereignty, as I said earlier, when there is no clarity. And so I pray for this guy and to cut a long story short, I got a phone call from Pastor Ben Windle in Brisbane, a friend of mine who's got a wonderful church in Queensland saying a guy just rocked up at the church. He's the guy that you met on the plane. He's looking for a church. By the way, I got a text from that guy a couple of weeks after we met on the plane saying his boy had been released from hospital and everything was fine. Let me tell you, I will not waste my tears. I'll use them as a river of refreshing to help those that come after us. But I want to thank God that it's okay to sit. Folks, it's okay to put your hand up and go, I don't understand. It's okay to put your hand up and go, I don't know what's going on in my life right now. And when we sit, please allow others to carry us, others to put us on a stretcher and take us to the place of breakthrough because we don't have the energy to do it on our own. But then there comes a moment when we stand again and go, well, I'll stand on what I do know, but that's overwhelmingly a greater understanding than what I don't know. And I'm going to trust God. And singing is just that posture of showing up and saying, God, I trust you. It's not just the singing of a song, but it's the posture of a heart that says, God, I am not going to get sour. I'm not going to get bitter. I am not going to get angry. You see, I get a phone call from Nick Catalano. Nick Catalano went to school with me. He doesn't follow Christ the way we do. He's got a Catholic background. Hey, Danny, do you know so-and-so and so-and-so we went to school with? I said, yes, Nick, both their sons have just committed suicide. Different families. Will you come with me to visit them? And Danny, will you sit with them and tell them how you're coping? And there I am in the house of a man and a woman 
I went to school with him, but I hadn't seen him all my life since leaving school. And his 27-year-old son has just taken his life in the backyard of the house. And I start talking about eternity. I start talking about the emotions and the pain. And I start crying. They start crying. We hug each other. And on the way home, Nick says to me in the car, Danny, I've never heard it put so clearly about that afterlife stuff. Can you come to my house and share that with me and my wife again? You think, wow, never thought it was going to happen this way. But I won't waste my pain because eternity is real. And because eternity is real, we can serve again. And ladies and gentlemen, when I decided to serve Jesus, I didn't decide to serve the church first. It was serve Jesus through the church. Because sometimes life in church life can sucketh. Sometimes things can go wrong. Sometimes in church life, people get up your nose. Sometimes things go wrong. And how many people evacuate the church rather than evaluate and sit down and go, what can we learn through this pain? And they walk out the door and they marry another church and then they divorce that church and then they marry another church and then they divorce that church all because they can't sit down and realise, why am I doing this? And I gave my life to Jesus as a teenager because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I serve today ladies and gentlemen because Jesus rose from the dead and because Jesus rose from the dead when the church hurts me Christ won't hurt me and let me tell you now I know I have a certain hope I will be with my son again one day and I will keep serving I will keep serving can I be this honest this morning at first it was painful to look at pastors whose kids are serving God doing well like this beautiful family in this church, and you, the enemy comes, the place of accusation is also the place of revelation. And the devil says, you must have done something wrong. Christians can say stupid things. Pastor Danny, my son gave his heart to the Lord at your son's funeral, so God allowed your son to die so mine can be born again. I know there was a son who died and it wasn't my son. His name was Jesus on a cross for people to be born again. Oh, you know, the devil hates your family so much, Pastor Danny. He tried to kill Michael, your middle son, and because he never killed him, he killed Chris. If that's how much power the devil's got, we're all stuffed. Pastor Danny, it's okay. It'll be okay. You know, God will give you sons and daughters. And you'll be okay, spiritual sons and daughters. And that's true. You see, a few months before Chris died, a man called Rick Shelton was staying in my home. He starts prophesying over me one night. He said, three days from today, young people are gonna call you from all over the world. And they're gonna call you from all around New Zealand and Australia and ask you to mentor them. And you're gonna be a father to these young pastors and leaders. And it happened exactly three days. The phone started ringing and it's still happening today. But January, my son dies. Ladies and gentlemen, Job lost his first 10 kids and he might have gotten another 10 at the end, but he never got his first 10 back. Still have got to grieve and feel the pain of that loss. It doesn't get replaced. And I realised that I could sit and be carried. I could stand on what I do know about God. I could sing again because I live from eternity. 
And Paul writes most of his writings in the New Testament from the posture of eternity. While he's in prison, he's saying, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Because we come from home, eternity. We only live on colony earth. And while we're on colony earth, we need to have the accent of home. My father is Italian. And when he talks like this, you know, he talks like that all the time. You're not going to think he's Chinese. Why? Because of the accent. Many Christians have lost their accent. I don't get the answer to my prayer. I'm out of here. Stuff God, stuff church, stuff the lot. Wrong accent. We belong to eternity. And so I serve God because of eternity. And I just want to close. It's going to be hard for me to read. But I want to close with a poem my 14-year-old grandson wrote to his dad after he passed. He's 15 now. The other day he came to me and he said, no, no. I want to finish the work my dad started. I want to be a youth pastor. To have my little 11-year-old, our 10-year-old grandson, only eight and a half at the time. In our home one day, I walk in and I said, Elijah, what do you want to be when you grow up? said, I don't know anymore, Nonna. I don't know. I turned around and walked away and he, he knew I was crying. And he said, don't worry, Nonna, heaven is our home. I came back out of my bedroom after I contained myself and I could smell aftershave through the back of our house, the whole back area. I said, you don't shave. What are you doing? He said, oh, this is dad's aftershave. John Paul Goldtier. I put it on every day, Nonna, because I want to remember my dad. Our eldest grandson, he writes a poem. Everyone who is looking at this post right now, I want to ask you a favour. Please cherish your fathers, not just today, but every day. Don't take them for granted. Cherish every moment you spend with him. Make jokes, build Lego, read stories, watch movies. Do whatever you like to do with your dad because he won't always be there. I only had my dad for 14 years. He passed away before he turned 40. I wish I spent more time with him. I wish that I treasured him. I wish he didn't go. I've written a poem for him and I'm sending it up to heaven for him to read. It's called My Father and it's about me having a conversation with my dad about him leaving us and going to heaven and I'd like you to read it. Please, my father, I beg you to stay. Don't worry, Zeke, we'll meet again someday. Help me, father, I'm so upset. You were someone I'll never forget. Come, my father, we need you here. Don't worry, Zeke, I'm always near. Hey, my father, why'd you go? God has His reasons. You'll never know. Dear my Father, you're forever in my heart. From this day forward, we will never drift apart. Goodbye, my Father. You were my own. It's okay, Zeke. Daddy's home. We can just bow our heads. Maybe you haven't lost a child. Maybe you have. Maybe you've lost a loved one, a mother, a father. Maybe you've lost a dream. 
Maybe you've lost a relationship. Can I beg you? The world has no answers. If there's no eternity, life makes no sense. Solomon tried everything under the sun and he said, it all sucketh. The trouble is he never tried anything above the sun. My prayer today is that you'll learn to know when to sit, when to stand, when to sing, when to serve and live with the contrast that life may bring. I prophesy this morning, this church has an amazing future, even though the past and the present's been amazing too. I know I've seen the new plot where the building's gonna go and it's not about a building, it's about people. And if we, the church, don't rise up and make more room for the broken and the hurting and the suffering, the world's not looking for a perfect church, it's just looking for an honest one, a real one that can teach people that they can sit in the midst of their pain and not even try to work it out. But there'll come a day they'll be able to stand and they will be able to sing again. And they'll be able to serve. While every head's bowed and every eye closed across every campus, I'm just gonna pray and then hand back to the campus leaders. If you're in the midst of a contrast in your life around the campuses today and in this campus and in Melbourne today, and you're in the midst of contrasting situations and you need the energy of heaven to come and equip you for your journey of sit, stand, sing, serve. I want you to stand to your feet wherever you are across all the campuses. And now I hand back to the leaders of those campuses to pray in the other campuses for the people that are standing. Watch it out. <clears throat> yeah. Come on, with your eyes still closed. I mean, if you're in that place, you're contrasting. I would love you to stand. Would you be bold this morning? You're needing God to carry you in a fresh way. You're needing His presence to meet you in the place where you feel like you can't stand. people you don't need to try and fight it on your own it has to come a point where you let it go first and foremost you allow God's presence to meet you right in the center just want a moment longer because I know it's a breakthrough moment for people if you need to stand with your stand someone next to you that's standing, would you be supportive enough just to put a hand on their shoulder and let us pray, church. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit and everything that you did on that cross, Lord, that right now that heaven would invade them. God, that the love of God would fill their lives. Father, like an ointment that it can only come from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Lord, would Your mercy rain down upon people right now. Father, in the contrast of why, in the contrast of how, in the contrast of could it, God, I pray, Lord, that You would just bring comfort. Lord, like the Father ran to their Son, God, I pray that You would right now embrace and like a holy kiss would take place, Lord, where Your grace, Lord, where Your mercy and Your love would just warmth 
secure. And uphold every single person. I thank you that your presence is enough. I thank you that your love is enough. And I thank you that you understand and you see and you've been there, yet you broke through. So Father, while we still find it hard to stand, God, I declare the day of standing is coming. Father, while we've found it hard to sing, I declare the song is coming. Father, while we see it a long way off before we ever feel like we'd have something to give, I thank you, Lord, the serving is coming. Father, I thank you that you're the God of the breakthrough. I thank you that you're the God of the overcoming. I thank you that you are the Lord that triumphed the grave. Victorious death, where is your sting? For you have are the risen King. God, I declare, Lord, breakthrough. Lord, I declare a new day in Jesus' name. Father, as a church, I pray that we would be able to carry people. God, that we wouldn't be so awkward that we wouldn't know what to do or what to say and shy away, but rather, Lord, we'd be able to sit. That we'd be able to stand. And we would serve. Father, I thank you that this service wasn't the accident of a plane turning around but it was actually purposed by you I pray Lord that we wouldn't stay in this place but today would be the birth of the next step and I pray this in the name of Jesus and everybody said come on let's honour Jesus let's give him a great hand if you're standing you can sit down podcast from life if you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message visit lifeau.org